0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer.
1: Whoever that Dan guy is, he's cool. I like him. I don't know. I haven't met him yet, but... um... He's pretty impressive. Okay. Um, My son made a a sign for the whole family. He gave each of us a different sign, and and mine says, I am 41. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. So uh, let's do this. Man, I'm I'm excited. Now, I don't know about you guys, but uh, nothing but the blood. Okay. you're not on. yep No. nope <laughs> you guys hear me how about now better so I put it on my lip <laughs> Like on the chest chair? Should I do that? We good? Are we better? Okay. So anyway, uh, back to my uh, doctrinal treatise on nothing but the blood. Uh, Okay, yeah, I I completely forgot what I was singing at, at some point. You know, when all of a sudden, you know, they're like really jamming out. I just started looking at them. And then when you guys started singing, I was like, what are we doing? I mean, I was, I was like mesmerized. you know. Like, so anyway, that was cool. Um, literally, I, I kind of like, I spaced out. I, I forgot I was praising. So I had an out-of-body experience, I think. But uh, that was cool. Now, it could have been the um, dream catcher that is behind me. I, I don't, it might have been the satanic dream catcher that's behind us. But, or the first attempts at aviation. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm excited. So uh, let's get into it. It's, uh, it's really sobering to be here. Uh, so maybe before I, I, I jump in, I need to pray. I know we've been praying. Let, let me pray. Um, and uh, let's, let's get into the Word of God together. Father, I do thank you for just this evening. I've looked forward to it for so long. And uh, God, I just pray that I will not have made an idol out of a ministry or out of a time of speaking your word. But that, Father, tonight would be a night that is completely set aside to honoring you. And that none of us would create even these good things that we have in our lives, that none of us would make idols out of them, Lord, so no matter how much we 've looked forward to this weekend, or no matter how much we look forward to joining the saints that God, all of those things would always bring us to a place where we are choosing to worship you with our lives and not worship the things of you, not worship the the ministry for you, but that God, we would be giving ourselves completely to the worship of God and of you alone. And so God, I pray for everyone who's here tonight that Lord, they would realize this evening what they are worshiping and that we would be honest to know it. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for this great people. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so uh, man, I, I've I've spoken to Midtown uh, at you know places like All Church Retreat or Mission Focus, and I, I've spoken with you guys in that context. But this is the first time in three years that I've I've spoken spoken to uh, Kaya. Three years, almost to the week. Uh, three years ago, uh, it was it was the last week of September. Jacqueline and I were talking about that. And uh, it was the last week of September, and that was when we passed the baton over to Brandon. And it's been three years. It's a little difficult to, to understand. Uh, you know, we were, Jack and I were, were talking about a story. You know, she was moving back to Kansas City, which was you should talk to her about it. It was a huge step of faith. And uh, I remember, you know, talking with her, meeting with her in July. And well, it was July, right? And then just two weeks later, you, you decide to, to come and move, with, and you stayed with us for like a week, Caroline and I. And uh, right when she shows up, I say, well, we're leaving. <laughs> I feel really bad about this, too. <laughs> I was like, but we're leaving. And, uh, and so anyway, it was a very big transitional moment, but three years ago. And so it's been a long time. Three years ago, Caroline and I, Caroline is my wife. I, I say that because a lot of you guys don't know her, which is cool, which is really exciting. Um, but we, we walked out of Kaya. But we didn't just leave. It was abundantly clear to us at that time, and, and, and even now today, it is abundantly clear, that our time serving this ministry, serving Kaya, that it had come to a close. And that God had great plans for your future. I had such peace. And I don't say that. That's not just like pastor talk. I had such peace. You know. Giving the ministry over to Brandon. That, it, that's, that's like. I, I can't be more genuine with my words right now. That I had. I had and I have such peace. Transitioning the ministry over to Brandon's leadership. I had prayed. Many nights. Uh, many times driving in the car, uh, many times before I read, many times just in conversation with the Lord, I prayed. Many times, and I still do pray that God would use Brandon in a manner that I could never have been used. I've said that to a few people as as we've talked about the transition and how it was moving from Kaya to Living Faith, and and one of the things that I've always wanted people to know is that there was never a competition. We serve the same God. We're on the same team. Uh, it's, it's so exciting to see what God is doing. And I've prayed and I still do pray that God would do something in Kaya that I couldn't have done. And I truly believe that that has actually happened. I believe that that's happened. And it's and it's wonderful and it's magnificent to behold what God has done in these last three years. I believe that God has answered that prayer. In fact, I've prayed that prayer for as long as I've known Brandon. That God would use him in a manner that would be beyond how he'd use me. I've always prayed that. I prayed that for all of my disciples. From 2008 to 2016, I felt like the luckiest man in the world. Such a great time in my life and my wife's life and our children. A time that I will never forget. And I don't say that again, just as pastors speak. For eight years, my wife and I were gifted the opportunity to minister together with. Who I believe to be the best people on the planet. And now I'm in amazement of God's continued faithfulness, of God's continued work. I look around at this and I I just, all I can think of is that God, you have been faithful. You've been faithful to your people, you've been faithful to us, your church, just this small inner city church in the middle of America. God, you've been faithful. And while it is incredibly presumptuous on my part to make this next statement, I really can relate to John in his writings. 3 John 1.4, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And today, I see so many new faces, men and women that will be used by God to bring salvation to the nations, making disciples on our campuses, in our homes, at work and beyond. That is if we realize that our life is not our own. Who in this room is willing to allow God to completely hijack your life so that his life in you would be magnified? Did you guys hear me? Who right now in this room? If you are in this room, it is not by mistake. Maybe, praise the Lord, someone. If you are in this room, it is not an accident. It is not a mistake. Even if you thought you weren't coming and someone dragged you along, you are right now here for a reason. I think most of you guys know that. I think most of you know that. Who in this room is willing to allow God to completely, 100% hijack your life so that His life in you would be magnified? Who in this room wants God to truly order your steps? Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Who will be a part? Of the next Midtown church plant. Who will be the next brook? Who is willing to give up everything, the creature comforts, the, 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 the ministry responsibilities, the people that love her, the women who, 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 who desire to hear from her. She's going to be going to a place where no one cares what she thinks. But she's going there because she realizes that her life is not her own. But that her life has been bought with a price, therefore she has to glorify God in her body and in her spirit, which belong to Him. And so who in this room is going to be a part of the next Midtown Church plan? Who is it? We can talk about it all we want, but is it you? Who will hear the call to be the next missionary? Who will hear that call? Willing to give it all up for the cause of Christ. I'm telling you. That and the nothing but the blood, like voodoo magic that was going on in that. Day. Lon, I don't know what you're doing. Where are you, Lon? Yeah, that, I don't know, man. Whether I was out of body, in a body in my body, I don't know. No, but guys, listen. Are you willing To give up your life so that the life of Jesus Christ will be lived through you. Are you willing to give it up for the cause of Christ? Maybe it's you today. Could it be at the young age of 18? Who's 18 in here right now? Thank you, Alvaro. Hassan? 18? How about 21? 24? 26. <laughs> Represent. <laughs> Who in this room? Maybe you're 18. Maybe you're 20. Maybe you're, you're 23, 25, whatever. Could it be that at the young age of 18, 19, 20, that God, even on this very day, even at this very moment, that he would call you out. To surrender your life to his high calling. Maybe some of you think that you've already allowed him to do that. Maybe some of you think that you've already heeded your life to the call. And Maybe tonight is a night where you need to reconsider that. And reconsider truly if you have answered the call of God for your life. Such was the case for Jeremiah. A young man that most people say was between the ages of 13 to 21 years of age when he first heard the call of God on his life. Did you guys catch that? Jeremiah, between the ages of 13 to 21, most people will suggest that he was 17 years of age. Anyone 17 in here? Is there anyone in this room that's 17 years old? One person. Most people say that Jeremiah, a prophet to the nation of Judah, was 17 years old. I want to tell you something. The calling of God must not wait for tomorrow. The calling, it has no care or concern for your graduation date. It may want to use your degree, but it is not in subjection to it. The calling of God is not determined by the prospects or lack thereof you have. So then today, are you answering the call? Today, are you answering the call or are you just listening to the message? I'll get that message later. I'll listen to it later. Yeah, I heard that he called. I'll I'll, I'll listen to it later. I'll see what he has to say. Brothers and sisters, the calling of God is not a convincing feeling at the end of a sermon. The calling of God is not an emotionalism, or some type of feeling or experience you have. The calling of God is very clear. 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify your God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is key point number one. Key point number one is this. The calling of God is a righteous demand on your life. The calling of God is a righteous demand on your life. And if you are living right now as if it is not a demand, I am telling you right now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are deluded. Again, 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For ye are, what? Bought with a price. Therefore, because of that purchase by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because of that, therefore... Glorify God in this body that he's given you. In your body. Glorify God in your spirit. Which what? Belong to him. They belong to him. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ at this time, right now, you need to know that he owns you. When you cried out to him and you said, oh God, would you forgive me of my sins? I am calling you my Lord and Master. Guess what that means? That means he takes on that role and he becomes your Lord and Master. That means that that is what he is to you and that you are his servant. No longer the servant and subjugated to this life of bondage and sin. Now you become the servant of righteousness. You will serve someone though. There is no time to pause. No time for contemplation or introspection. Are you in or are you out? I'm not talking about where you'll be in 10 years. Yes, Dan, I know I've heard of the call of God and I'm just waiting and we'll see. Maybe I'll be a missionary someday. Maybe I'll be a pastor. Maybe I'll do this. I don't know, but I'm not talking about 10 years from now. I'm not talking about something down the road. I'm talking about today. Will you submit to the call of God right here and right now? I have to think about that. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's a decision that you can make right now. But well, shouldn't I pray about something so serious as the call of God on my life? Of course. But my point is this. That you and I, that we, we just need to submit where we are. We just need to obey God right here and right now. When the next church plant comes up, God, will he be speaking to you regarding that? If God is calling you to be a missionary somewhere else, He'll show you in the field, right here at home. I just want to be this guy, I want to be that, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's going to happen right now then. The calling of God is a righteous demand on your life. It's not a choice that you make, and yet so frequently we do. So here's the thing. The calling of God is not a convicting feeling at the end of a sermon. I don't want to see your church notes. I don't want to see the contemplative notes that you wrote. I don't want to see your poetry. I don't want to see your writing. I don't want to see anything of how inspirationally you were moved. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see all that garbage. You know what I want to see? I want to see dirty hands. And I want to see feet where the souls have been worn out because you are sharing your faith with the lost world. That's what I want to see. I want to see worn out hands. I want to see worn out shoes that have proclaimed the gospel. Because the call of God is on our life today. Not ten years from now, but right now. And it is a righteous demand on us. It's a righteous demand. So Jeremiah was a young man who received the call. Jeremiah, he lived in a hard time. Such that we would not be able to fathom. The northern kingdom of Israel had already been overthrown. And Judah, which was his country, was on the cusp of being overrun by Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most brutal kings the world has ever known. Nebuchadnezzar is one of the best examples of Antichrist in your entire Bible. So we have this this Antichrist type in Nebuchadnezzar, and you can see a wonderful picture of him in the book of Daniel, and you see the rage of him. You see a a good picture of him in the book of Habakkuk. As Habakkuk is crying out, not understanding why God would use such a wicked individual as Nebuchadnezzar. And we see him being used throughout the the Kings and the Chronicles. We see this, this example of Nebuchadnezzar. And Jeremiah is living in a time where this wicked individual is about to wipe them out. Jeremiah lived in hard times. Jeremiah did not belong to a healthy church either, which kept him accountable. There were no great praise nights or small groups to keep him uplifted. No one was preaching or challenging Jeremiah. He was the preacher. And no one liked his messages. Jeremiah knew that he was up against it, but he also knew that God had met him. That God had called him. And for Jeremiah, that became enough. You know, but it didn't start that way. It didn't start that way for Jeremiah. And We can turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. I'm going to read verses 4 through 8 right now. It will be on the board, but if you want to have your Bibles open, we might reference it here and there. That will be our main text today. I mentioned the fact that Jeremiah didn't belong to a healthy church because you do. I mentioned that he didn't have small groups or praise nights because you do. I mentioned that he didn't have encouragement from other preachers, but you do. I wanted you to see the difficulty of Jeremiah's life and what he was walking into. And then I want to ask you, what is keeping you from walking into the call of God? You belong to such a wonderful church. You belong to wonderful small groups. You belong to a wonderful fellowship. You have a wonderful pastor. You have all of these things. You have these beautiful praise nights. You have a wonderful praise band. You have have opportunities going out of your noses to understand the Bible correctly, rightly, rightly dividing it. And I'm thinking, what is keeping us? What is keeping us from following the call? Jeremiah had none of that. And yet Jeremiah is still heated to the call. Now we know it didn't start this way. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 8, it says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. God tells Jeremiah that I have made you to be a prophet to the nations. In no sense did God force Jeremiah to do this. God chose Jeremiah to do a work. His choosing of Jeremiah was not for his salvation, but according to his holy calling. He says, I have sanctified you to be the person who will stand in the gap. And immediately God's calling is met with Jeremiah saying, Ah, Lord, you, you, you can't use me. I'm just a child. I'm but a child, Lord. There's no way you could use me. There's no way that I could be qualified to do this great work. And just like Moses and just like so many other unqualified individuals, just like Gideon, Jeremiah fits the same boat and he balks. At the calling of God on his life. But what compelled Jeremiah to doubt God's calling? What what compelled him to doubt God's calling? Did Jeremiah doubt the calling itself? Did he he doubt when, when God was speaking the words, did he doubt the validity of the calling? I don't believe for a second that Jeremiah doubted the validity of the calling The calling of God, if we would understand it correctly, is that we are to share the gospel with the lost. Matthew 28, 18 to the 20. The Great Commission. Is there anyone who doubts the calling of God? Basically, the calling of God. I don't think anyone in this room would doubt that. And I don't think Jeremiah doubted the call of God as well. But here's here's what he did doubt. He doubted himself. Jeremiah doubted who he was. He thought, there's no way that God could use me to do that. There is absolutely no way that God could use me to accomplish the great commission. And guess what? With that attitude, he won't. And you won't. But God answers him by saying, this isn't about you, Jeremiah. And I want to tell you tonight that it's not about you either. This calling, God says, is about me and my love for the world. I didn't call you because you were worthy or talented. Nor did I call you to be impressive. I called you simply to be my vessel. 2 Timothy 2, 20-21 it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart, holy, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So God tells Jeremiah, How about you let me do the pouring? And how about you just be the vessel? God tells Jeremiah, I've simply called you to be my messenger. You see, the messenger is not the one who crafts the letter. The messenger just sends the message. God told Jeremiah, I'm going to give you everything you need and not to be afraid for I am with you. But listen, guys, I want this to be very clear, and I think you already know this. I'm really not talking about Jeremiah right now. Jeremiah is both dead and buried. I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you right now. So often we are waiting to be qualified for the work. But that will never happen in our own power. So often we're waiting to go through discipleship one. Or maybe we're waiting to go through D2. Or maybe if I go through four years of LFBI. So after six years of being saved, I can now be qualified to be used in God's ministry. I'll tell you right now, no one in Midtown has told you that. No one has said that. Is there value in going through D1? Is there value in going through D2? Is there value in going through LFBI? Yes. Come on now. That's a ridiculous question. But here's my point. Did the demoniac, who Jesus healed, go through LFBI? Someone say yes. <laughs> I was like, that's a good answer, but no. Uh,
0: <laughs> think so?
1: How about the Samaritan woman? I read it just, just this afternoon. I was reading John 4. Man, she meets him and Jesus says, I am that very Christ. The disciples come. They're kind of shocked. He's talking to the lady. You know what she does? Drops the water pot. The very reason she came, after speaking the living water, she drops the water pot and she goes and does what? She tells the whole city. Because she had taken missions, 101 through LWI right no she met Jesus she met him and so in meeting him what happens it compels her to walk in what God has done in her life so often we wait to be qualified to be a part of the work and God says I've qualified you by my son you're qualified Key point number two. So what's key point number one? The calling of God is a righteous demand. The calling of God is a righteous demand on your life. It is not a choice, although so often we behave as such. Number two. God will qualify you for the work when he calls you to it. God will qualify you for the work when he calls you to it. Have you been called to UMKC? Have you been called to JCCC? Have you been called to Rockhurst? Maybe you've been called to Penn Valley. Maybe to the many other campuses that are Bible studies are on campuses throughout Kansas City. I don't know. Have you been called to those places? Then what are you doing with that calling? Dan, I know I've been called to X, Y, Z. Then what are you doing right now with that calling? What are you doing? In Exodus 4, 2 through 4, God calls Moses to his mission. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. As God was speaking with Moses, he was saying, What's in your hand, Moses? What's in your hand, Moses? And Moses responds, he says, This this staff, I'm a shepherd. Then let's start there. Then let's start there. What's in your hand, Kaya? What's in your hand, Ocala? What's in your hand, Iola? What's in your hand? Let's start right there. I'm not talking about 10 years down the road when you got everything figured out. I'm talking about right now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what's in your hand? Right now, what's in your hand? Let's start right there. Moses says, Well, I'm a shepherd. And God says, I can use that. Has God called you to be a part of a Bible study? Has God called you to discipleship? Has God called you to LFBI? Has God called you to a family, to a person, to a people? Has God called you to these things? Then what are you doing about it? Are you faithful to that calling? Notice I didn't say, are you faithful to to bring a study. Guys, I want to tell you something. It's not about bringing a study, it's just not about that. It's not about some duty that you're coming up with, it's of much greater significance than that. We're speaking of your calling that God has on your life. I'm not, I'm not nothing against your study. I'm sure it's wonderful, but I'm saying, Let's let's see the the, the bigger picture for a second. It's about the souls of men. The reason why we're meeting together in homes and on campuses and in coffee shops and and throughout the city, in our jobs. The reason why we're doing that is not so that we can just fulfill a stinking Bible study. It's because there are souls in the city that don't know Jesus Christ. And so because of that, get in the book. Oh, God care if you brought your Bible study but brothers and sisters we need to be in that book because there's souls that don't know him and if you don't know the book then you don't know what your calling is Philippians 3 14 it says I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and so here's the deal If God called you to this church and he called you to that Bible study, then are you being faithful to that Bible study? If God called you to that discipleship relationship, are you being faithful in that context? If God called you to Midtown Baptist Temple, are you being faithful to that calling? Only you know that answer right now. You know what's interesting? If you are being faithful to that calling, you know what that'll look like? Where's your study? Where is your study? But you know what? It's not about the study. But I'll tell you this. If you are obedient to the calling of God on your life, guess what you have with you? A study. You want to know why? Because you need to spend time with God this week. And you need to be supported by His Word so that the ministry that comes out of your mouth is not your words, but God's word coming through you. You see, if, if God has given you his directions, why aren't you looking at the map? Why aren't you walking in that light? You see, I know God has called me to be at Midtown. I know God has called me to this. I know God has called me to this work. I know God has called me to do these things. Well, then if so, this is key point number three. That if that is the case, then the calling of God always extends to a work. Key point number one, the calling of God is a righteous demand of God on you. And right now we need to understand that if he is going to be called our Lord and Savior, then that means that he has a righteous demand on you. And his call is a righteous demand. Key point number two, God will qualify you. When he calls you. So don't give me this garbage. That you're not qualified for the work. If God has called you to it. Then you are qualified for it. And number three. You need to know this. The calling of God always extends to a work. It's time to stop making excuses. About why you didn't go to this Bible study. Or why you didn't prioritize discipleship in your life. It's time to fully live out the calling of God on our lives. It's not about going to church. I stopped going to church a long time ago. It's about being the church. It's about realizing that I am a part of the body of Christ and that I am the church. And yes, you know what? You are insignificant. And yes, you are insufficient. I'm sorry if I'm the first person to tell you that. But yes, that is the case. But God has given you the words to say. Do you believe that? Yes, you you aren't qualified. Yes, you don't have the abilities. Yes, all of these things that in the power of the flesh. Yes, you're right. But God has said according to Jeremiah chapter 1. That I will put my words in your mouth. I have put my words in your mouth. Do you believe that? You know for some of us. We don't believe that we're qualified or we don't think that we're capable. Or maybe we just can't see the work. But for others, we're so busy dreaming of some foreign land. Or becoming some pastor that we won't lift a finger in the ministry that's right in front of us. I've got my 10-page manifesto listing all the problems of the church. Yet I'm not willing to do anything to nurse it back to health. Dan, listen, I, I submit to Brandon and the leadership Um, if they only saw my unique abilities. To that I say, maybe it's time to take the camouflage off then. Why is it that we can't see your gifting? Stop living outside the camp. Come, join us. Sometimes the reason why our giftings are so radically misplaced or unseen are because we are hiding. Maybe it's time to reposition yourself so you can be used alongside the body in conjunction, not in isolation. Maybe it's time to join hands with the already present leadership in your ministry. Maybe it's time to take the camo off and simply serve the leadership of your church. But the problem with this is always, of course, submission. Submission not to Brandon, submission not to Sam, submission not to your discipler, but submission to God. God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, don't say you're a child. I'll give you the words to say. And then promptly in Jeremiah 1.9 it says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. You'll notice that this is the only time in the Old Testament where you will see the exact phrase, put forth his hand in association with the Lord. In Judges 6.21 You'll see the angel of the Lord extending his staff upon Gideon's sacrifice. And in Job 28.9, you'll see Job speaking on behalf of God's hand. But as far as God literally putting forth his hand, this is the only time you'll see this phrase in the Old Testament. And to be even more clear, you will not see this phrase, the Lord put forth his hand. Any other time in the entire Bible. Okay, so if that's the case, what should that tell you? We need to pay attention. This is the only time this phrase comes up in your entire Bible. The Lord put forth his hand. This is the only time in your Bibles where you will see that phrase. The Lord put forth his hand. And so of all the things that God could do in this moment... And the Lord put forth his hand. Of all the things that he could do in this moment, what does he do? He touches Jeremiah's mouth. Don't you guys find that significant? Of all the things. This is the one moment in the entire Bible where God comes down and he puts forth his hand and he touches Jeremiah's mouth. The one thing that he does is he chooses to touch his mouth. I'd like you to check out Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. In that year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Powerful. And in verse 5 it says, Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of Unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people. Of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. Having a live coal in his hand. Which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Now don't miss this verse 7. And he laid it upon my mouth. And said lo. Lo. This hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Isaiah, just like Jeremiah, needed his mouth cleansed. Isaiah needed the fire of God on the tip of his tongue, and Jeremiah needed the hand of God to frame his words. For both of them, God had to make clean what was unclean, and to do so, God had to place his holiness in them. And yet notice that the power of God, the throne of God holy, the righteous power of God was found with his word being placed in his servants' mouths. Did you guys get that? I think you missed it. Notice that when you read the word of God, notice that the power of God, that the throne of God holy, that the seraphims who are who are praising God, saying holy, holy, holy to the Lord God of hosts that one of the seraphims takes a coal from the altar. Such a great picture of the the altar of incense in the Old Testament. This holy incense, the prayers of the saints coming up to God. This, This seraphim comes down and he places this coal upon Isaiah's lips and he's made holy what was unholy. The power of God the throne of God holy, the righteous power of God, was found with his word on my lips. The power of God will also be found on your lips as well. Jeremiah 5, 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth, what? Fire. He says, I'm going to make your words fire. And this people would. And it shall devour them. Now I know this passage is specifically speaking to Israel. And prophetically, it's regarding the great tribulation. But I want you to take note of the principle. You guys still with me? The word of God. In the faithful servant of God is like a flaming fire ready to set ablaze the hearts of the lost world. The word of God in the faithful servant of God is like a flaming fire ready to set ablaze the hearts of the lost world. With the hand of God ready to reach down And grab those souls willing to repent. And so we see that the fire of God and the hand of God are both present. On the man of God who heeds to the calling of God. Is the fire of God present on you? Is the hand of God present on you? This is key point number four. The fire of God and the hand of God should be found in you. While you live out his holy calling in your life. The fire of God and the hand of God should be found in you and on you. While you live out his holy calling in your life. You see the fire of God displays his holy character and judgment of this world. Are you doing that? Are you displaying God's holy character and his judgment of this world? And the hand of God displays God's presence and power in you. Are you prepared to live out that reality? The holiness of God and the judgment of God and the power and presence of God. With Isaiah, the fire of God was on his lips. With Jeremiah, the hand of God was on his mouth. Are you displaying that holiness? Are you displaying that judgment? And are you displaying that power and presence? I'd like to close with Jeremiah 1.10. Jeremiah 1.10. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. We're going to look at this in detail tomorrow, this, this one verse. This is the only verse we're looking at tomorrow night. The word of God says that behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to do what? To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. But right now I want to ask you, do you see yourself in Jeremiah 1.10? When you read that passage, when you look at those words, do you see yourself there or does it look like he's talking about someone else? Are you up there? Are you in that verse? Or am I talking about someone else right now? Who am I talking about? Am I talking about other Christians? Am I talking about other believers? Am I talking about other leaders here at Midtown and the churches represented? Or can you see yourself doing that right now? Does it seem impossible that God would use you in this way? And so I'd like to go over once again our four key points. This is number one the calling of God is not a suggestion. The calling of God is not a suggestion. So what has compelled you to live like it is? The calling of God is not a suggestion. So what compels you to live like that? Where did you get the idea that it was just a suggestion of God that you would be found in his mission? Number two, and God will always qualify those he calls. And I want you to know right now that if you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then guess what? He's called you. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you should know right now that he has called you with his holy calling. Number three, in response to that, we know that the calling of God always extends to a work. The calling is not just an emotional feeling, but it is a calling to serve God, the church, and this world. Are you doing that? And number four, as spokesman of the Lord, Are we prepared to speak with the fire of God and the hand of God resting squarely on our lives? Do people see God's holiness in you? Do they see the urgency of judgment on your lips? Do the lost see the power and presence of God in you? Tonight is the night that we not only answer the call, but we can begin to walk in it. And so as we look through these first eight, nine, ten verses, do you see Jeremiah as just this superstar, this hero, this person that was just amazing? And and man, I'll I'll say he was, he is. But don't you guys know that Jeremiah was most likely just seventeen years old? And he was afraid. He said, Oh God, I'm just a child. Don't you can't use me. I'm not qualified. God says, I've qualified you. I'm not, I'm not capable. I've made you capable. I'm unable. I've made you able. Don't you know that's the God we serve? I was burdened when I was studying this passage. And the main reason why I was burdened was because I was thinking of you. I was not thinking of just any group of people, I was not thinking of just any sermon. As I was looking through Jeremiah chapter 1, the hearts, the faces, the people of Kaia, the people I don't even know right now that are sitting in this room, I was thinking of you. And I was just begging God. I was praying to God, oh God, would you please use me so that they could see just, just in this moment, just in this night, could they, could they see that that the blinders that they've had on their eyes for so long has been keeping them from the simple, beautiful, wonderful calling of God on their life. Oh God, would you do just that? Would, would all of a sudden just the, 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 the curtains be pulled back? That eye salve would be placed on your eyes that you could see clearly once and for all, that the very God who saved you did not just leave you at that moment so that you could be a Christian, but the very God who uh, 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 saved you is the same God who called you. He called you. So what are you doing? What What have you been called to? So now we got the crowd. Some of you guys are maybe convicted and maybe some of you guys are like, well, I'm doing it. And so we can name off all the things that we're now called to. And we can go through the Bible studies and we can go through this and that. I want to ask you something right now for all the people who are maybe engaged in ministry. Are you engaged in that ministry because you know that that is God's calling on your life? That God has met with you and said, Blake, this is the ministry that I've given you. I'm a picture of God right now, poor. But my son, there's these precious people. There's these people don't know. There's these people, that you can be used of me, and this is my calling for you. I want you to be used in their lives. We just do a lot We just do it. Are they on this 5 or 6? Did they memorize their verse this time? Guys, we got to get a big picture. we we got to start seeing that the calling of God is not just about doing stuff. And it's not just about having good fellowship and good times together. And, I, and I'm the king of that. I love all that. Okay. I'm telling you guys, it's about us realizing that the call of God is about the souls of men. So what has God called you to? And if he has called you to it, then what is stopping you? Randy, come on.
0: So I think what, what Dan just shared with us, I think a lot of people in this room you knew you knew that message. Right? Like I think I think you know that what we're doing on campuses, you know, what we're doing, what we're doing in ministry, that that, that you know that that's not just doing stuff. Right? You know that. But I think the thing that that he said that was the most poignant tonight, I think is the most important thing, is the issue of whether or not you believe that God is going to use you to do the thing that he called you to do. You know that Jesus is big. You know the gospel is important. You know that the word of God is important. You know discipleship is important. You know that being on campus is important. You know the Bible study, all these things, you know that they're important, but you know that God wants to use you and not just your Bible study leader, or just that person you see across from you that seems to have it together, just a little bit more than you, that's a little bit further down their walk. I'm waiting until I get to that point. When I get to that point, I'll be ready to go. And if you keep thinking that way, we will not be used by God. It's self-prophesying. Self-determined. I got some. I got some crappy week because I, I, I referred to us in, in class as worms. Do you guys remember why I called you guys a bunch of worms? Did that stick with you? I didn't. I didn't mean to be so harsh, but you know how like, it But guys, I'm speaking for myself. I'm speaking for all of us. I, I get it. Like, you've got a reason why you can't do what God called you to do. You've got a reason for that. You've got some form of excuse. You've been, you've been preaching it to yourself for a long time. I don't think we get to make that excuse anymore. Ian didn't read this far in the passage, but in Isaiah chapter 6, after the coal has been placed upon Isaiah's lips, if you go down to verse 8, it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? You know? Costa Rica. Who will go? Who's gonna go to I remember three years ago, who's gonna go to Grandview? Was the question. Two years ago it was who's gonna go to who's gonna go back to UMKC? who's going to go to Pin Valley who's going to go to KU Med who's going to do that and that question is just going to those questions in Kaya and in your life they're just going to keep coming who's, who, who's going to go who's going to go God would this be me Then said I, here am I, send me. It's not that simple for some of you, is it? It's not that simple. Why has it got to be so complicated for you? Why are you the excuse? Why are you the person that God can't use? I would wager that the moment that you got saved, that Satan began crafting an excuse for you that you would be you would conveniently be able to use at any moment to prevent you from doing what God's called you to do who am I that God would ask me to do his work but oh, wait a second I'm the one that he's blessed to do the work. That's who I am. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm a son of God. I'm a son. He's sending his son. He's sending a blood washed saint. Filled with the power of his Holy Spirit. Remember that? Remember when he said, Remember when he said, Any place that I send you, I'll send you in my power. I'm with you. Even to the very end of the earth, I'm with you. Here I am, sending. And I think right now, as the worship team comes up, we should be laying down excuses. We should be laying down our excuses right now. Are you guys willing to do that right now? What are your excuses? Let's lay them before the Lord. Let's call them out, and then let's proclaim, "God, here, here am I." Sin, if you have the guts to do that, if you have the guts to recognize who you are in, in, in God. Okay, let's worship. Stand up, come up here if you need to, but. But I suggest if you need to pray, if you need to go somewhere in in the room, if you need to bow down right here, let's do that. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times, and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.li.com.